Welcome to the Jesus Famous Youth Teachings Podcast. Our vision is to see Jesus famous in the lives of the youth of our church. We want to see youth have opportunities for them to come to know Jesus in a complete and whole way and be united together in love, and most importantly, strengthened in the moments of discouragement. Jesus Famous Youth meets on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and has a middle school program available on Sundays at 11 a.m. Now, let's get into our teaching. So if you don't have a Bible, grab a Bible. I do put the scripture on screen there uh, for Philippians chapter 4. I just want you guys to know I've always got my notes in the back, actually my full teaching notes. Just kind of condense if you want those. There's the study guide for the small group in the back also. So I try to give you guys as much resources as I can so that you are equipped and you are here and you are present and you can just plug into whatever we're teaching. Um, so we're finishing the book of Philippians tonight because it's the second to last uh, Tuesday in May. So if you want to go back and listen to the other Philippian teachings, uh, they are on the Jesus Famous Youth Teaching Podcast. And uh, those are there for your listening pleasure um, because I know you all want to hear more of my voice all the time. So it's there for you. It's there for you. Uh, but hopefully you guys are doing all right. Who's not out of school yet? Wow, a lot of you guys. All you Trinity kids. No, whatever. Trinity kids, you guys are out like, yeah. Five more days, a couple more days, a couple more days, yeah. Another week, something like that. Well, summer is here, three more days. How many of you seniors are like done? You guys are like so done. Look at you guys, right on, right on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, a couple more days left of school, guys. This is one of those months that I'm just so grateful there was five weeks because of everything that we got going on. So next week is our last Tuesday of the month, our last Tuesday in this present school year, guys. So next week will be our, our kind of end of the month youth groups. We'll have pizza next week. Uh, I think it's warm enough. I think I'll bust out the snow cone machine next week. So I think it's time. I think it's time. Um, so it's a great Tuesday night, you guys. Invite a friend. Uh, in the back, there's these kind of little business cards that I made specifically, uh, uh, my teammates specifically, that we, you can kind of keep them in your wallet and hand them out. I keep a stack of them in my wallet. I just actually don't even make my business cards anymore because I'm a pastor, and why does a pastor need a business card? Um, so, but it's just this, like, nifty little card that basically, like, join us at Tuesday at 6. It's got the info on there. So if you've got a friend that wants to come check out Youth Group, come show them we're not that weird. Um, maybe a little bit, but not that weird. And uh, most kids that come to youth group, they usually come back because we don't tend to scare them away. So that's next week, and, uh, and so it'll be fun, right? It'll be good. High schoolers, be watching out for, uh, we'll probably put on Instagram a little question thing. If you guys got any questions that we want to go over next week, or maybe we'll do the TikTok thing again. That was fun last time. No, it wasn't fun? No, it was. It was good. It was good. All right. So... Philippians chapter 4, while you're turning there, just a couple announcements. Middle schoolers, literally, middle school camp is less than three weeks away, all right? So sixth graders through eighth graders, sign up. It is time. Next Tuesday at midnight is the last time to sign up. So you got one week, but don't wait. Sign up, all right? Don't let money be an issue. If you are free June 8th through the 11th, you are going to middle school camp, middle schoolers. Do you understand that? Okay, you are going. So sign up for that. Register for that. If you have a friend that you want to come, there's plenty of room, guys. Shh. There's plenty of room. It's just us and uh, my Bud's Church, Caleb, up in Truckee this year. So there'll probably be about 100 of us or so. Um, so there's plenty of room. So invite a friend. Yeah, what's up, Bud? I thought you weren't 
Calvary Truckee. He's, he, goes, he's, he goes, he's in a different church now, so yeah, so I don't know. All right, so I was mimicking him, the chin thing. So anyway, all right, so middle schoolers sign up for that. Seniors, come on, guys. Seniors, there's like three seniors that signed up. So if you're a senior and you haven't signed up yet, Kylie. Yeah, yeah. So sign up for the senior trip. Uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, and that's always a great time. And last but not least is gleanings. Um, so that is still open. We've got about 15, 20 of us signed up right now. So sign up. If you went last year, you should go again, even if you're going to Hawaii, Finn. But uh, I get it. You're going to Hawaii instead of gleanings. Um, you don't want to go work in 100-degree weather slinging peach goop at each other? No? It was a blast. It was fun. Yeah. What do you mean, what's up with the logo? Because the generation before you turned peaches into something sketch and sus. And so I can't put a peach on there because the peach emoji means something other than a peach. You guys' generation. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, shh. So that's why we did that. Yeah. And it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. All right, so there's our summer events. Other than that, Thailand people, guys, six weeks, we are going to Thailand. You Thailand team, so excited for that. And uh, I'm, I'm just saying, man, it's going to be a great summer, and hopefully jo- Pastor Josh will get plenty of sleep before then because I don't intend to get much sleep throughout June and July. So at least to the end of Thailand, and then I'm going to go escape in the woods for two weeks, and you won't be able to find me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll bet, I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Philippians chapter 4, going through this amazing book. I'm going to read it right now, so follow along if you've got your Bibles open. If not, I'll have the scripture on, on uh, the screen there, okay? Say what? No, because I keep forgetting to ask somebody, and I feel bad asking them last minute. No, you're good. No, I got it, I got it. Yeah, shh, shh. Okay. All right, title of this message, you guys, be content and stop complaining. This is what Paul's heart was for the Philippians as he finished up this letter. He says there in verse 1 of chapter 4, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodia, and I plead with Sinichi. How would you like to be Sinichi? Uh, to be the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companions, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clements and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, verse 4 says. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, 
For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Verse 16, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desired your gift. What I desired is that more to be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Ephroditus the gift you sent. They are the fragrant offerings and acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 21, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people are here. Send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit. Amen. Father, we come before you and thank you for your word. As Paul finishes this letter to the Philippians, uh, we just glean and we take in just a little bit more of his, of his teaching and his example, but also just his heart for his brothers and sisters in Christ. His heart that we would, we would know and truly grasp how good it is to serve you, how good it is to live a life for you, how there's nothing else in this world that even comes close to comparing a life that is fully abandoned and fully giving up to you. Help us to retain that tonight. Help us to get that tonight as we just come to the end of this book. God, we thank you so much. And Spirit, I pray that you would move just in great ways in these children's, these students' hearts and minds. God, I thank you so much for being here with us and speaking through me tonight. In your name, amen. amen. All right. So very classic Paul, like Pauline-type letter as he finishes up uh, this letter to the Philippians. It's his heart. It's just kind of a couple last exhortations, a couple last teachings, a couple last like, hey, mimic me as I mimic Christ. We see this through Paul's letters. Just this life that was so abandoned for Jesus, so on fire for Jesus, so just set aflame for the gospel of Jesus Christ that he had the courage, the boldness to say, mimic me as I mimic Christ. Man, I would hope and pray that every one of you in this room that called Jesus your Savior, that you would come to a place of being fully abandoned for him to where you could look at your generation. You could look at people you go to school with or people you play sports with. One day, people you have jobs with. And you could say, yeah, you can observe my life. You can look at who I am at church, away from church, with these people, with those people at home. And I am like Jesus. And you could say to your brothers and sisters in Christ, like, you can imitate me because of how much I imitate Jesus. That is my prayer. I think every youth pastor who is truly gospel-centered would hope that for their youth group, would hope that that Mika back there is so like Christ, just like Carly, because they're not taking notes right now and they're paying attention, and so that they would be so much like Jesus that others could mimic them and imitate them. I would want that for myself. I want that as a youth group, that when kids come in here, they know. They know. That like, man, this youth group, they follow after Jesus. That's what they're about. And so this was Paul's life. This was his heart. 
as it came down to, even as he talks here about money, which you're going to talk about tonight, even the way that they would handle money or that they would give up money, what was the priorities of their life? It all centers back to a life that was fully abandoned for Jesus. And this is the heart of the, that, that Paul wanted for the church in Philippi that he planted. This is the heart that he would have for Timothy as he planted the church in Ephesus and would leave Timothy to pastor it. We see this all through it. And I honestly believe that every man and woman that is Christ-centered in their life, this is their heart for themselves, their heart for their family one day, their heart for those that they minister to and disciple, that we would just be fully abandoned for Jesus in a really, really radical way. And so ultimately what Paul gets to as he finishes this letter is that one of the things that can steal that passion or that real desire to be abandoned for Jesus is a thing called regret. There's a thing called regret. Paul literally brings it kind of down to this, man, like one of the things that really holds back Christians is, is the regret that we have. And then ultimately from that regret, we then worry about tomorrow. It's kind of like this, this idea that we're in between this regret of yesterday and this worry about tomorrow. Warren Wiersbe is a theologian. Uh, he's dead now. But he said that most Christians are, are being crucified on a cross between two thieves, yesterday's regrets and tomorrow's worries. So in a sense, he's saying that most Christians kind of, they don't find themselves growing or really abandoning for Jesus or being on fire for Jesus because they're kind of trapped in the center place where they're regretting what they did yesterday, which they have no control over, and they're worried about tomorrow, which they have no control over either. But yet Paul, even though there's so many things we don't have control over, Paul wants to bring us to this place of like, no, you shouldn't regret yesterday because those things happened. And God used those things to build you and to grow you if you gave them to him. And then the things that you don't control tomorrow, yeah, you can't control those. But you can start controlling yourself today, start shaping yourself today to be better tomorrow. And in that betterment, you guys, that's Christ working in you. That's Jesus making you more abandoned for him, more set apart for him. So in essence, as Paul really finishes this letter, he charges the, the Philippian church, like, do not worry about the future, but pray about your concerns. Don't just stress about it, but pray about it. You know, are you, are you that worried about your final tomorrow? Have you prayed about it? You're that worried about that relationship that, that might happen later on? Have you prayed about it? You're that worried about getting into this school or playing on this sports team? Have you prayed about it? See, the thing is that, only thinks that we, when we only think about, like, good things, that doesn't necessarily bring us peace. But when we think about what God has for us, that's what brings us good things. Because the world might say, well, don't worry, just, just be positive, right? Just be a really positive person, right, Daniel Durkis? Just be positive all the time, Daniel, and tomorrow will work out, right? Because you're positive and you're putting out positive vibes all the time. No, that's not it, right? Sometimes you're not supposed to be positive. But you are to look to what God has for you, right? God's calling for you, and this is really what brings you peace, okay? Now, Paul even uses, him, again, himself as this example. As he says that even though I have learned to be content with little and even content with great things, he's grateful for the gifts that he has received from God. See, when we stop worrying or regretting yesterday and worrying about tomorrow, when we stop, like, stressing over these things and we start praying, what that does, you guys, and we start to take on Jesus that much more, it brings us to a contentment. It brings us to a place where we're like, I am content with what I have right here and right now. And tomorrow, if God chooses to take it all away or give me more, then I'll be content with that too. And this is Paul's heart as he finishes this letter. And ultimately, I really believe he finishes this letter because we see the love he has for the Philippian church. 
And in that, he just does not want that, that joy and that on fire for Jesus to be stolen by something as simple as regrets or worry, right? Or regret or an anxiety, okay? So we need to focus on this. This is kind of where Paul ends. This is where we're going to be focusing tonight, you know? So really, you guys, when your whole body is sore from yesterday's workout, but you made a commitment and you're sticking to it. See, this is a Christian right here, right? This is a Christian that's on fire for Jesus, Man, I'm beat up from yesterday. I'm sore from yesterday. I hurt from that conversation or that person, the way they treated me. But you know what? I made a commitment to Jesus. You're not going to be this little potato laying on the ground, right? You're going to be, I'm pretty sure that's a potato. Uh, <laughs> but you're going to be for Jesus, right? So that's the worry about, or that's the, the regret from yesterday. I don't know if you've ever had a leg day like that, but I've had a leg day like that where I can't sit on the toilet for two weeks. And I'm like, it's horrible. It's bad news. Okay. And then about tomorrow, you guys, if your day wasn't good, good, don't worry. Tomorrow will be worse, okay? Like, <laughs> you're not promised tomorrow. So just know that, like, God has you, even if tomorrow is worse than today, okay? I love Kermit the Frog. Who doesn't love Kermit the Frog, right? Where's Jude Lasco? He's, like, obsessed with Kermit the Frog. I don't know. Is he still? Yeah? Okay. The celery stick, yeah. All right, so let's get into these principles, just like we've been doing as we've been going through the, the book of Philippians, as we've been taking, shh, we've been taking the chapter as a whole. Um, I can't teach on verse by verse going through a book like this. I encourage you guys to continue to maybe de- have a devotional of the book of Philippians, like go back and read. If something stood out to you tonight from reading the scripture, um, then Maybe you should like go back and study it a little more. You know, go back and see what God has for you. Um, and, but what we're going to do tonight is just kind of pick out some of the principles that Paul was continuing to teach the Philippians, and that I believe God wants to teach us tonight. Okay, so number one here, you guys, worry is the toxic waste of unbelief. Worry is the toxic waste of unbelief. Basically, unbelief. The, the excrement of unbelief, right? The passing bile. The the number two is 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 basically worry, right? Is, is from unbelief comes worry. From unbelief, from untrusting God, comes the toxic waste of worry, you guys. Paul said there in Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, Rejoice uh, in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That does not sound like toxicity, does it? That does not sound like unbelief. What that sounds like in verses four through seven is Paul laying out, like, listen, in all situations, rejoice. Whether it's a hard day, whether it's a good day, whether you feel amazing or you feel like crud, our heart needs to be one of rejoicing because God gave us this day. And then in that, in that place, you guys were to give glory to God. And in that place of maybe even of humanity, that brokenness where anxiety creeps in and depression and things of worry creep in, he's saying to pray over these things. Pray over things. Give these things to God as a petition and watch how the peace of God actually brings you to this place of transcendence of understanding God's plan. Now, what this says about us as men and women is that if we do not choose to find contentment in the Lord, our anxieties and worry will make us toxic. See, the thing is, the unbelief that when we're, we're stressed out, and maybe you felt this before, I, I know I have in my own life, man, when I'm stressed out, when I'm not trusting God, when I'm in a place of anxiety, when I'm in a place of fear, I mean, I become a toxic person. I become irritable. 
I become stressed out. I become sarcastic. I become one that cuts and, and doesn't want to serve others. I want to be self-centered. Right? I want to focus on me because I don't feel right right now. So ultimately, as a Christian, you guys, when we come to this place of not trusting God, of not laying our petitions before him, of not, of not being one that serves others as Christ did, we actually become toxic to the people around us. Right? We become toxic to our friends and our family. I don't know if you've ever felt this, right? That sometimes the excuse is, oh, I'm just hungry, right? As a guy, it's like, I'm just mangry right now, right? No, you're just being toxic, right? Some of you ladies, it's like, that's that time of the month. No, you're just being toxic right now, right? It's just like, we all do it. We're broken, you know? But it's part of who we are. And so Paul here wants us not to be toxic people, but he wants us to be believing people who are healthy. And so how does a life content, uh, content in the Lord produce healthy or health instead of toxicity? How does it do that? Well, I believe Paul kind of lays this out to us in verses four through seven. He says, a healthy person rejoices instead of complains. You can always find something to complain about, right? Always. And I would encourage you, if you're one of those people that complains constantly, maybe start to come to a place of being thankful instead of complaining. Find a moment to rejoice rather than complain. Because have you ever been around somebody that's complaining constantly? That's toxic, right? That's not fun. They get annoying, right? You see this person every once in a while, it's okay, yeah, that's just the complaining person, but you go on a road trip with them, you're at camp with them for a week, man, you're gonna be in school with them every day. You do not wanna be around that person because they are complaining constantly and they're not finding any type of peace, right? They're not rejoicing. Where a person that rejoices and is, and is thankful, that's a healthy person to be around. Now, there can be too optimistic where you're like, shut up and stop being happy, but like, the thing is, <laughs> We still would rather be around that person than the complaining person, wouldn't you? I don't know about you. I would, right? If you would rather be around the complaining person, maybe you're the toxic one. Uh, a healthy person shows compassion and empathy to those around him. Right? As Paul said there in verse 6, uh, or in verse 5, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident. So really a healthy person shows compassion and empathy to those around them. Rather than being sarcastic, rather than being judgmental, be one of empathy. Look at that person as Christ would look at them and really see, like, why, do they, why are they the way they are? How, what are? What's it like to be in their shoes? What's going on in their life today? Have some compassion for them, right? Number three, they're a healthy person is thankful and not envious. This is another part of that complaining where we're envious. We're constantly looking at what other people have, right? We're constantly looking at what other people have that I don't have, and I'm envious over it, right? I mean, she's more skinny than me. She has straight hair. I, want, I have curly hair. Like, I don't know, guys, like, he's got bigger biceps than me. I don't know. Like, like, it's just like, he's got a better car than me, okay? I don't know. It's, it's so easy to be envious. They have more likes on Instagram. I don't know. But the thing is, we can all be envious and not thankful. Last, number four, a healthy person has a peace that toxic people just don't have. See, a toxic person, someone that is in this place of unbelief, especially a toxic Christian, where they just are not trusting God, the fact is that uh, they just don't have a peace where someone that truly wakes up every day and says, Lord, help me be thankful. Help me be, be content in where I am and what I have. God, help me have those things. That person just has a peace that toxic people just cannot have. So then Paul continues in another principle where we say in, in number two here, all worry is atheism because it is a lack of trust in God. So if unbelief is like, if basically worry is like the toxic release of unbelief, basically all worry is atheism because basically it's a lack of trust in God. 
That's really what atheism comes down to is the belief that there is no God. And yet, if we sit here tonight and we believe the things we say about God, that he is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he is absolutely supreme over all reality, then if we don't trust him, it's like we're not trusting his characteristics of who he is. So you guys, God is either completely supreme and powerful or he's not. There's no in-between here, right? There's no kind of God in God. He's either fully God or he's not. There's no in-between. And so to not trust him really is to say, God, you're not really who you say you are because he's either completely who he says he is or he's nothing, okay? And so really when we worry, we're not trusting his character. We're not trusting who he is. We're not trusting that he knows us in really intimate ways. See, to worry and stress about what might be is us not trusting that God is in control. When you have no control over what circumstances might happen tomorrow, what may be out of your hand, and to say, God, I'm worried about that, I have anxiety about that, I'm stressing about it, the fact is it's not trusting that God is in control. He knows tomorrow. Ultimately, he knows you before. And what I mean before is any time before this moment, all the way to being in your mother's womb, to the beginning of time, God knew you. He knew you all through time and space that you would be right here and right now in this place. He knew the color of your hair, the color of your eyes, the personality that you have, your passions, desires, your dreams. He knew all of that before time began. God knew you. He knows you now. He knows right here where you're at. Whatever's going through your head, whatever's stressing you out right now, whatever, whatever you're just kind of going through, the fact is, you guys, God knows you right here and right now. Like he does. He knows what's going on with you. He knows what you're, you're struggling with. He knows what problems you have in your life. He also knows the joys that you have. He knows what makes you happy. He knows what brings you peace. God knows you right here. And also, he knows you into eternity. Right? He knows you all the way into eternity. He knows what's going to happen in your life. He knows every step you're going to take, every breath that you're going to breathe, every beat of your heart. See, this is the God we believe in. This is the God the Bible teaches. And either we believe this about him or we don't. There's no kind of. And that's why when we don't trust, when we have worry, we're saying, God, you're not really who you say you are. Or I don't believe truly you are who you say you are. And see, Paul just wants to root that out of us because that will just, that'll keep you kind of in this place of, of not growing, of not being in absolute love with Jesus. Matthew 6, actually, Jesus talks about this, verse 25 through 26, where he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on? Is it not life more than food or the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Uh, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? I mean, next time you're out eating at Chipotle or somewhere outside, look around at the fat little birds who are si sitting there eating Chipotle all day long, right? They just get to fly around and eat Chipotle all day. Right? Or the birds that hang around in and out. They just get to eat in and out all day. And that's God feeding them, right? That's God taking care of the birds, you know? If there wasn't in and out, they'd have to go find worms and seeds and stuff. But like, we just feed them fattening food. But anyway, like, God takes care of those. And so, how much more valuable are you to Him? If He is who He says He is, then we have to believe that He has tomorrow in control. All right, number three here, guys. Tomorrow is the result of today's thoughts. So like I was saying that, even though there's a lot of things we don't have control over tomorrow, you can still shape yourself and start, start moving yourself and shaping yourself to be the person you want to be tomorrow, to be the person, the man or woman that God is calling you to be. So tomorrow is the result of today's thoughts. Paul knew this when he wrote out Philippians 4, 8, and 9. 
I would really encourage you that if you struggle with negative thoughts or you struggle with, with thoughts of anxiety, that you would write down Philippians 4.8 on a, on a three-by-five card and put it above your bed, put it, put it in a place that you'll see every morning. And when you wake up in the morning, read through Philippians 4.8, right? Start your day with this because as he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble and honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Other versions say, meditate on such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. See, what this says about you and I as humans is that we have to make the choice to focus on, meditate on, and live by what God calls us to. Because ultimately, just as he lays out these things for us in Philippians 4, 8, and 9, we can very much easily, as humans, go to the opposite side of these things. Right? We cannot focus on what Paul is telling us to. We can go to the opposite of these. So what kind of person you want to be tomorrow is based on how your mind functions today. It's how you started today. First, he says true. Right? Meditate on what is true. This can be truth. This can be on, on the things that are truth, the things that God tells you about yourself in his word, the, the things that are positive, the things that are real about you and who you are. Because the opposite of that is lies. We believe lies that I'm no good that I don't have any value, that God doesn't really love me, God doesn't really care about me, that I don't have any value. Right? Those are lies, and yet we have to focus on the truth or the true nature of who God calls us. Noble or honorable. Really the opposite of this is simple. It's dishonorable. Things that, that don't only dishonor you as a human being, as God's created son or daughter, but those things that dishonor others, that we dishonor other people, we devalue other people. We start meditating on this judgmental place of, of other people are less than me, right? They're not as good as me. And we judge them for who they are, the way they speak, the way they dress, the way they walk or talk. Like, like we judge them for a multitude of things rather than being noble or honorable and looking at them and looking at ourselves as creations of, like, that are made in God's image. He says on right things. The opposite of right things are wrong things. See, as a young Christian, you are developing this conscience inside of you. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to to really burrow in to who you are and convict you when you focus on the wrong things. There are right things and there are wrong things. There are good things. There are evil things. We need to choose to focus on the right. He also tells us to meditate on what is pure. The opposite of pureness is defiledness, right? Things that are corrupt. Uh, corrupt's the next one. Things that are defiled, things that, that, that are not pure. And as I say that, I'm sure every one of you, your mind can go to some YouTube video you watched, Right? Some social media, uh, you know, Vine, uh, Vine, oh my gosh, some social media, TikTok or video that, that you've seen. Maybe a movie or music video that you've watched or listened to that you know is not pure, that it is defiled. And ultimately what this comes down to, am I listening, am I consuming things, am I meditating on things that are honoring to God and pure? Because Jesus said to the pure, all things are pure. To the corrupt, all things are corrupt. And so you and I, we need to focus on what is pure rather than what's defiled. Another one is lovely, things that are just lovely, things that are just good, right? I don't know about you, but I can see enough corrupt things in a day for a whole lifetime, right? Like, like people say, you know, that, that we have become a generation that doesn't blush anymore, right? Because of the, just the corrupt things that we've seen, the corrupt things that we've been exposed to. And yet, I don't know about you, but I like lovely things are good, right? Like a family playing with kids, a cute dog, right? Like, like just lovely things, finding a good deal at REI. I don't know, like just lovely things, right? They're just, they're just good. They're not corrupt. 
admirable over shameful. See, shameful things, you guys, that's not just guilt, but it's things that bring us shame, that cause us to hide, that cause us to be shamed about things that we watch or things that we, uh, we get into, relationships that we have when we should be in things that are admirable. Lastly, excellent or praiseworthy, rather things of no value. Basically, as Paul finishes, he's saying meditate on things that actually have value in your life. Meditate on things that bring a a wholeness of life, that are life-giving rather than life-taking, rather than things that just don't have value. And we all have friendships like this or things that we consume that just have no value, that are less like chaff, just dirt in the wind, that just have no real value for us. When Paul encourages us to, to meditate on the things that have value and worth. Ultimately, as Paul really kind of hammers this in in Philippians 4, 8, and 9, he wants us, he desires us, and he wants you to desire it for yourself to be that worthy person tomorrow, to be that person that has substance, to be that person that is more like Jesus tomorrow than today. But ultimately, that means to me, you making the choice to consume what Paul is laying out here in Philippians 4, 8, and 9. All right, number five here, guys. Your attitude towards money is an EKG revealing the spiritual condition of your heart. Right? Basically what this is saying is, is the, your attitude towards money is like this x-ray of the condition of your heart. It really looks into the condition of who you are before Christ. Money has the power to do this. This is why, really, in 1 Timothy 6.10, Paul said to Timothy, who was a leader, who would probably be handling money through a church, who would have the power to steal money and take money if he wanted to as a leader. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through the craving that some have wandered away from the faith and, and pierced themselves with many pangs. Basically saying, Paul was saying to Timothy, the root of the love of money will draw you away. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy who you are in Christ. He also says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, he says, the point of this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency is all, in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. In 2 Corinthians, Paul's basically saying that our condition with money shows, like, really our condition with God of are we a cheerful giver? Are we one that gives back for who God, what God has given to us? And ultimately, as he says there in verse 8, that you actually gain more maturity in Christ when money doesn't have control over you, when money doesn't have this complete hold on you. See, as Paul finishes this letter to the Philippians, he decides in, in, in chapter 5 here, to re, or I'm sorry, in chapter 4, to give them that, that kind of last exhortation that like, hey, don't let money be something that holds you back. Don't let money be something that becomes an idol and something that you crave or you fall in love with and, and really takes away your witness. And you guys, I've seen this. Even in my like, short life in ministry, the fact is that I've seen men become corrupt because they have power over money. And it's, it really is an amazing thing when men and women choose to let money drive them. It changes their mentality. It changes their priorities. Their priority is no longer the kingdom of God. Their priority is no longer other people, but it's self-focus of what can I do in my spare time with my money and my time? Because it just becomes this God to them. And Paul doesn't want that. I know many of you right now, you're like, Josh, I don't have two nickels to my name because I've never had a job and my parents don't pay me allowance. I get that. 
but take this as a warning, middle schoolers and high schoolers. Don't let money be something that you covet and becomes an idol in your life. Give away freely what you receive. Let the Lord work in you in that. Lastly, the fact is that as we finish this, uh, really what Paul wants us to understand. Oh, did I miss one? Did I skip four? What happened? There we go. Oh, I'm, they got mixed up somehow. Okay. Anyway, happiness is not something you go out and get. It's something you go out and give. Okay. As Paul finishes this letter, he thanks the Philippians because when he went out to start the church in Thessalonica and he was out there by himself, no other one of his churches that he planted helped him except this church in Philippi. They, they, they rallied together, they raised money, they sent men and women out to him to serve him and to give him the funds he needed to start the church in Thessalonica. So he thanks them for this and he wants them to understand that, that the happiness, the peace that you've received, the, the, the goodness of God that you've received back is because you gave so willingly. See, when we look to Jesus and we, and we see a true representation of, of a life that gave away all for the sake of others, See, Paul, just in the same way he said, imitate me, for the rest of time itself, the Philippian church will be known as a giving church that gave like Jesus gave, that gave of themselves. We see that Jesus gave of his time, he gave of his energy, he gave his money, his compassion, he gave away truth, and even himself. And see, ultimately, this is such a tag of what it means to be a Christian when we give of self. When we're not focused on self, but we're focused on others and building them up. Now, lastly, as we finish with a couple of applications here that, uh, that I believe we can take home as we finish this book, is first one, you guys, reconcile your strained or broken relationships. Reconcile your strained and broken relationships. I didn't hit on this, but if you look back at the beginning of chapter four, he actually calls out two women who have been fighting in the church, right? Could you imagine being one of those two women that like for the rest of eternity, your names are in the beginning of chapter four of the book of Philippians as two women that were fighting and like bickering and Paul calls you out. I don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that person. So reconcile your strand of broken relationships. Don't be that person, okay? Trust God with your, great, your greatest worry. Ultimately, just trust God with your greatest worry. When you go home tonight and you pray, what is the greatest thing you're stressed out about? What is the biggest thing you're worried about? What is the biggest thing you have anxiety about? And give it over to God. Trust him with it. Say, God, this is the biggest thing in my life that just stresses me out and brings me like whatever. So God, I want you to have it. Number three, limit sensual stimulation by controlling your TV habits. Now, what I mean by this is limit sensual stimulations by controlling the TV habits is, listen, guys, you cannot sit there and think, man, I can watch corrupt things. I can listen to defiled things. I can, I can consume all kinds of negative media and, and you know, TV shows and movies and whatever, and it doesn't affect me. You cannot be that naive. It will affect you. It just does. You can't sit there and go, I just like the beat. I don't even listen to the words. Liar. <laughs> the words, they, they soak in. Okay, so be that person that, limit, that, that, that limits what you're watching on TV, the movies you watch, you guys, the YouTubers that you're allowing to influence you. Like, like put some control around that. All right, pull up any weeds that you have let grow in the garden of your mind. What I mean by this is if you come to this point and you've allowed these things to soak in, you've allowed these weeds to grow, Start pulling them out, right? Start rooting them out. Stop, stop letting them be a part of your life. Begin to lay up treasures in heaven by giving freely to build God's kingdom, 
the way that we start letting money not be a master of our life and, and control us is by giving it away for the kingdom of God, giving away who we are. And it's not just about finances, but it's about all of who you are, that who you are is abandoned to Jesus. All you are is on fire for Jesus so that no matter what part of you it is, it's giving for the kingdom. Start finding your contentment, not in material things, but in Christ, right? Whether it's the clothes you wear, the shoes you're, you got on, the, the game console you got, I don't know what it is that you really value, but, but take that and give it back to Jesus, right? Not in material things, like don't find content, contentment in those things, but, but find it in Christ. And maybe this is, you know, maybe it's not playing video games as much. Maybe it's not looking forward to the next video game that's coming out. I know maybe some of you guys, it's like, I'm not gonna buy the name brand next time. I'm gonna buy the off brand. You know, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Uh, but like, start to like, let go of those material things, Last one there, share with a friend what God has taught you from this chapter concerning joy. See, ultimately, what really continues that fire that Jesus is burning in you is by sharing it with others. Paul, the way that he continued in the gospel was not just saying, oh, imitate me as I imitate Christ and left it at that, but he continued to say that because he continued to give away the gospel. He continued to share it with those around him. He continued to love those in the same ways Jesus did. See, a person that's on fire for Jesus and abandoned for Jesus, their life can't stop being about Jesus, can't stop sharing the joy. It, it, it just, it's, it's this like ongoing thing. I don't know if you've ever rolled a snowball down a snowy hill before. Right, what does it do? It does work, the right type of snow. <laughs> it just keeps growing, right? It keeps getting faster. It keeps growing. Yeah? No, maybe? Yeah, it does. All you, you guys are all Monterey Bay kids. You've never been, on, been around snow. Okay. <laughs> all right. It grows and it gains speed. Be that snowball. <laughs> Lastly, guys, we just got our small group questions here, which you'll get in your small group. So let me pray over you and head to small group. So, Father, we thank you for this night. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in us, God. Um, just let this awesome book of Philippians continue to sink in and, and uh, just move in us as we go through tonight. In your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at Youth Group on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If you'd like more information about JFY or have a question, reach out to us at joshuas at calvary.com or DM us on Instagram at ymcalvary.